Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to take a different spin today, which is going to be very educational for all of us in general. As we look at everything that's been happening globally, there's a lot of fingers in this pot and how it's affecting this grain trade. And we all know as many states are starting to open up and maybe turn the corner, hopefully, when it comes to covid Does that mean we're going to start to see trade wars start to pick up? That's part of this whole fingers in the pot we're discussing today as Brian Split joins us with agmarket.net. And Brian, before we went on the air, you and I were talking about where our individual states are at in opening. Uh, You guys are where we're at right now, um, and we're opening up more as, as the week comes on. But because of that, we turn our focus a little bit away from COVID, I think, market wise. Are we going to start looking at trade fears once again? Right, so uh, just as we seem to be hopefully turning the corner on um, the the COVID discussion and things are are transitioning to closer to to what was previously considered normal, um, we're starting to see a resurgence of some of the tensions between the U.S. and China. And um, I I think, you know, obviously the the world in general uh, is, is frustrated with how China handled the virus at the very onset and uh, um, how transparent they were or weren't. But um, we saw a couple things happen this week that has kind of brought that trade war and and whether or not China's going to live up to the the deal uh, that we have in place. And so the the White House two days ago released a 16-page comprehensive assessment on on, uh, their strategic handling of the People's Republic of China. And uh, I I don't think China appreciated that. Uh, China does not like the fact that they're being sued by uh, individuals, by states, by uh, governments. And um, so they um, have made some comments that if, if there's any additional sanctions that there will be quote-unquote countermeasures. Uh, something that also ramped up the tension this week was the, the fact that uh, the day that the, uh, the president in Taiwan was being uh, inaugurated for the second time, we struck a deal to sell Taiwan 18 torpedoes. And so the issue there, and, and Taiwan is highly contested by China as an uh, inalienable part of China, and so the U.S. government uh, essentially selling torpedoes to Taiwan uh, symbolically recognizes Taiwan's independence from China, and uh, that caused quite a bit of pressure on the soybean market yesterday. So uh, it, it, it's frustrating because just as we've been through this whole process for the last few months, and you know the the hope was that as we've been turning the corner and and uh, hopefully getting away from the COVID discussion and seeing driving open back up and seeing energy energy demand pick up and and that would hopefully help ethanol which would help corn demand come back online. Uh, now we're seeing a resurgence of of the whole trade war discussion. You know who would have ever thought that torpe- torpedoes. Taiwan and soybeans would be so intertied like it was in the, in the news for a Thursday. You know, uh, Susan, I, I guess torpedoes don't just sink ships in the ocean. They can sink soybeans, too, right? <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> what are we seeing? Um, you know, you talked about that, those countermeasures that are coming into China. 
we see that issue when it popped up with Australia and they put the pressure on China and that caused for some tariff issues with their beef. Are we going to see in the weeks to come more of that spread and that feel as countries put more pressure on China because of COVID? So um, we we will see how China handles it on a, on a case-by-case basis, but I, I tend to think that um, uniquely the U.S., because we have been the ones that have taken China to task on trade policy and we're already at the point where we have a, a trade agreement and we're in phase one of that deal, um, I don't think that China wants to be seen as the reason why that falls through. Um, so unless we escalate things here first, I don't see China um, doing anything except maybe some harsh words or some strong talk. Uh, and, and recently, as, as recently as today, and I think this was on, uh, reported by uh, CNBC, uh, China, you know, says they're still vowing to push ahead with phase one of the U.S. trade deal, even though there are re- renewed tensions. Uh, and I've said this from the get-go. Uh, I think for China, and, and I think a lot of, you know, what we think for China is what they should buy from the U.S. is going to be soybeans, but they've shown that they're willing to buy corn uh, to to restock state reserves. Uh, we saw actually the first um, vessel of uh, ethanol hit Chinese shores, uh, or actually scheduled to hit Chinese shores today. So you wonder if that's going to be something, you know, the saying where there's one cockroach, there's more. Uh, I find it hard to believe that China is just going to have one vessel of ethanol and that's it. So you know, that would be something that would help them reach the phase one trade deal. That would be something that would help uh, our ethanol industry if we could start unloading some of these, uh, you know, stocks of ethanol that we've built up over the last couple of months. But uh, I don't think China wants to be seen in the global community as the reason why this trade deal went sour. Oh, very much so. And it is good news, even if it is just one vessel. It, it almost, whether it's an olive branch or not, we'll, we'll take some purchases that we can get. We'll take anything we can get at this point. I mean, the demand has been uh, one of the the major reasons why commodity values as a whole have plummeted over the last couple of months. So uh, we would like to think that lower prices can cure lower prices and that we can see demand start to really perk back up. And we've seen that. We actually had some fantastic weekly sales of soybeans where old crop and new crop combined last week was about 1.7 million tons. That is a very solid amount of soybeans to sell in one week. Stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Brian Split. He's with agmarket.net. We were talking a lot about the pressure we've seen with China and the turnarounds that could be put tariffs in place. Let's look right here. Um, Seasonal tendencies. Are we going to see some with corn, what are we looking at, Brian? Uh, you know, boy, I sure hope so. Um, you know, over the last 20 years, we have seen the price for new crop corn trade above the average price for the spring insurance level. So for this year, that would be 388. But uh, 19 out of the last 20 years, we've traded above the spring insurance price during the growing season. And only one year we didn't. Uh, that was 2001, but we went up and matched the spring insurance price. So 
I, I'm hopeful and optimistic that whenever that discussion happens, and we seem to have this discussion every year at some point, and, and maybe it's for a very short period of time, but, you know, what if we don't have a trend yield? What if that 178.5 yield that the USDA uh, is using for trend line yield that they gave us in the May-WASDE report, what if we don't have that? Um, and so we may need to price something in, whether it's a 75 or a 170. We obviously have, uh, you know, some uh, concerns about how wet it is in the eastern corn belt. Uh, maybe not as as concerned as we would be previously after seeing how the well the crop performed last year, giving all the flooding, but. All it takes is a two-week time frame where the market says, you know, let's not be bearish right now. Let's price in some risk. And, um, you know, with the funds short, a little over 200,000 contracts coming into the week, uh, I would like to think that maybe we could get a, a 50-cent rally. I, I know that sounds like we're asking for an awful lot, but, um, you know, based on the, the scope of the rallies that we've seen in the last several years from some kind of a spring low, that's really not that crazy of a, a rally to, to be shooting for. I was reading earlier today, I mean, obviously the, the harvest in South America continues to, to clip along, but some strong bean shipments that are coming out of Brazil, typical this time of year, but it seems to have more of a heavy weight than we've seen in years past. Yeah, I mean, the, the shipments have been very strong. The Brazilian real um, has, has continued to trade very weak. Uh, we've seen the real bounce a little bit. Uh, so right now you've got the uh, the real ever so slightly off the lows that were made. Um, what was it about a week ago? And uh, you know I think that would be a, a huge thing if we could see the real uh, find some strength and and look like it's made at least some kind of a short term low. Um, that would go a long way. The the entity that AgMarket.net works with, uh, John Stewart and Associates, and they deal mainly on the commercial side of the market. Um, you know, it, it, their opinion is that we will see a very strong bean export program uh, late summer through the end of the year, and um, I, I think the market is going to need to to do something to entice producers to let go of bushels, whether it's a move in the futures. Um, you know, ongoing basis strength, uh, strength in the spreads, where you look at November soybeans versus July soybeans, a lot of time in the last several months with November beans trading over July, and that suggests that the market's really not that interested in having producers store this year's bean crop, uh, at least not with what we know right now. We are headed um, into this holiday weekend. Is there anything producers need to be thinking about as to where we'll see? Because it's like the official start to summer uh, that we could be looking at Tuesday, Wednesday trade. Well, I, I guess over the weekend, um, you know, just keep your eyes peeled for any other geopolitical uh, events. Uh, anything that has to do with China can can affect the opening on Monday night. So we'll be we'll be closed on Monday during the day. So there is no Sunday night opening. It'll be 7 o'clock on Monday night due to the Memorial Day holiday, uh, which, by the way, um, as, a, as a veteran myself, and I know you have a son in the military, uh, I just want to express my thanks for all that have gone before us and, and given the ultimate sacrifice for our nation. Um, but anyway, moving, moving back to your question, um, I, I think that uh, we've seen numerous times in the past where sometimes these long, 
three-day weekends can can cause some turns in the market. Uh, so that would be something that maybe we can see the momentum shift. Uh, right now, as long as July corn is not making new contract lows and holding 309, um, it seems like it, at the very least, maybe we've found a little bit of a low and we're going to go sideways for a bit. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian? Uh, so you can reach me uh, directly at 815-665-0563. Uh, if you want to talk to anybody on the agmarket.net team, it's 844-4-AG-MARKET, so 844-424-6758. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at BJSplit. All right. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.